last time on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we kicked off coverage of Season 5 of Poldark. In that episode, we saw an assassination attempt that Ross helped to stop from happening. Uh, Ross was also called upon by his friend Ned Despard to help him get him out of jail. He helped him get out of jail, but he's still got to clear his name. We'll cover that this week. Also, Valentine was on the loose, uh, running around away from George. And we'll follow up on that drama and George seeing ghosts this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. And we're back again. Pole Dark Season 5, Episode 2. How is it going, Corey? It's going okay. How about you, Dave? It's good. It's good. Nice uh, longish weekend for us uh, who get jobs that allow us to celebrate the president's birthdays. So Yeah, I, I kind of forgot that it was a three-day weekend. And it was like, oh, I got this day to myself. And I did nothing. That's right. <laughs> no, no. Actually, Monday was probably my most productive day. <laughs> Working or just, or just doing fun stuff? Just uh, doing... Uh, what? I went to the movies. I went grocery shopping. Yeah, you know, did some studying. You know, just typical... That's you the, know. Movies and grocery shopping is enough for a day off. Yeah. How about you, Dave? Nothing. Well... <laughs> yeah, no, because I burned. I mean, we'll talk about it later. I burned through all the sh- our, our new t- TV obsession before Monday. There's new apps out today, man. We gotta get on that. <laughs> oh yeah, but nothing really. It's not, just sort of a, it's not a period drama, though, folks. <laughs> Patreon, will know. We're talking oh, yeah. about Perfect Match, and we'll we'll discuss a little bit later. But yeah. any news uh, in the world of our our programs? Not really. It's kind of slowed down finally. Uh, not much on the crown out there. Gilded Age, not that much going on. Uh, Jessica Brown Finley, you know, she just gave birth to twin boys a few months ago. She was out on the town showing off her uh, her abs. She's, she's gotten her abs back, uh, Lady Sybil. So there you go. She's back at it. Great. <laughs> Aiden Turner, you know, they've been interviewing him, you know, Ross Poldark uh, quite a lot. And, uh, you know... He may or may not come back to Poldark if it ever happens again. Uh, but Is that he does a have thing a, you said? Yeah, they, they they talk about it, but uh, yeah, he just doesn't. He's not thinking about it right now. <laughs> now, was there? Uh, I, I don't know anything about like the logistics of how this show was made. When season five came out, was it a declarative like end of the show? I, I just think it's that there's more books in the story, and I think that's why people are kind of hoping. Yeah, hope. that it would. But when the show on. aired, was it like Game of Thrones? It like was announced it was going to be the final season. They knew going into it, it was going to be the final season. Okay, so Aiden Turner's out there showing off his abs and talking yeah. about how he would come back to Poldark. Right. He's also says he's sick of tired of talking about that too. <laughs> yeah. So can't we was, talk about Hobbit? Hobbit two. It was Ten Hobbit years three. ago, easier to keep in shape. Yeah. Yeah. He, he hasn't. He's not talking about Hobbit. But they, they, this is in the, the standard. They said He says, becoming a dad has been great, but I'd rather not get into that. <laughs> uh, All right. He does concede that he no longer gets to theaters and restaurants as much as he did. Uh, and they asked him if he considers himself a Dubliner or a Londoner. He says, I'm Irish and I feel Irish and I'll always feel that way. But the truth is I'm raising a family in London and this is where I live with my wife and child. Oh, wow. Our child. 
we get go to, get to Ireland once or twice a year if we can get if we can, which is great. But our life is in the UK now, and he has a new series coming to Amazon this summer called Fifteen Love, in which he plays the coach of a young female tennis prodigy. There you have it, folks. Aiden Turner always working. Yeah, and he turns forty this year. Looks great. And considering Real the job. timeline of of this episode of Poldark, so this or rather this season starts in eighteen hundred, and I was just scrolling around Amazon. This is supposed to be thirteen years after the show starts. <laughs> you know, whatever Garrick's been lapping up, you know, Ross and the family have been drinking too. Something in the, in the water out there. So that means Garrick has got to be like at least. 16, 17 years old for a dog. Is that the plot twist? There's like some kind of fountain of youth they're sitting on top of <laughs> that they haven't even realized yet. Yeah, Will, Will Grace is just the water that killed uh, Francis is actually eternal life if you actually ingest it properly. A dog for dogs, maybe. Yeah, it, Francis sacrificed his life so people could feed off his soul <laughs> and stay young for many years. You wish Garrick at least got the to the, the the stuff before he was like an old ratty dog, but yeah. he has his moment this week. Yeah, I mean George looks young too. He's still keeping it together. They all look like effectively the same within the five year range of what they were in season one. Let's not think like about 20. it too closely. Yeah, this is uh, this is where Poldark at Soapy is playing with time. Yeah. So this is season five, episode two of Poldark. Mm-hmm. Where do we want to start here? I think we let, I, I think we should start with the one piece of the puzzle that actually does age at a rapid rate, Jeffrey Charles. Mm-hmm. This guy, whoever's playing this this character of Jeffrey Charles, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him at all. <laughs> I feel like this is the worst iteration of Jeffrey Charles. Yeah, I mean, we said that last week, and I'm just doubling down on it. <laughs> the, the guy just looks aloof. Uh, Freddie Wise, not wise. Absolutely does not look wise. So we actually get a reversal of what we know from Down Abbey. C- Cicely is peeping on Jeffrey Charles through a window. Yeah, and she acknowledges it, unlike Down Abbey, where it's a runaway hiding thing. She's Different like, times in the 1800s. <laughs> And so, I mean, Jeffrey Charles' situation is he's currently hanging around. He's going to serve in the military, but he's just kind of blowing through whatever remaining funds he has left, I guess. I feel like there might be like an onboarding date or something. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of waiting because he's wearing his uniform. So right. maybe he's in tra- training or something. I, I don't know. Because they talk brief- about him going back to uh, Trenwith to, you know, collect some funds or just kind of lay low. It's not entirely clear what the timeline is there. Maybe it's 13 years until he serves. Who knows? Yeah, well, he'll be an 85-year-old man by the time if they keep aging him the way they are. Yeah. 13 years in Jeffrey Charles' time is way different than the rest of us. Yeah, right. But most of the time, it's uh, Jeffrey Charles hanging out with Cecily, and she's saying, you should meet my dad. Do it. I dare you. Yeah, because in our one episode of Getting to Know Ralph Hansen, he seems like the kind of guy to marry off his daughter to uh, a broke, unsavory types. Yeah, a, a tr- soldier. You know, not even a soldier. He's just a <laughs> kind of a deadbeat. Like he lost it all. 
because his dad left him nothing and his stepfather can't stand him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Desbard wants her to maybe meet George and make, make that into something, but yeah. Ralph does, not Des- Despard has nothing to do with Oh, I'm sorry. Ra- Ralph does. Yeah, yeah. But when you see Uncle Carrie made reference to that last week, too. Like, oh, she's a, she's a good looking. She's young. Let's mm-hmm. pair you up. And, and as we know, George is not in any place to pair up with anyone. Nope. And they're even at a, a nighttime festival. And, and she says, go meet, go meet my dad over there. And then Ross gets a hold of Jeffrey Charles. He's like, you don't want to meet that guy. You, you don't want to talk to that guy. <laughs> get, get out of here. Yeah, Jeffrey Charles is like, I want to meet that dad. And Ross is like, <laughs> no, you no, don't. no, no, no. And, yeah, we see them, you know, by the pond there in the middle of London. Demelza spots them out there with Caroline. Uh, that He's hanging out with the Sicily there, having the time of his life. And we get some truly, I'm sorry, we keep bagging on this guy, some truly bad acting where, like, it just looks like they just, put some teardrops in his eyes there where he's crying or trying to cry because he's thinking about his mother. Yeah, it's like, we know you're not the Jeffrey Charles that dealt with Elizabeth. We know that's not yeah. you, boy. Yeah, who, who are you? Uh, but yeah, he's just playing cards and she seems to make him feel okay. R- remind him that he, he'll be fine. Yeah, and, and we see Demelza says that she will keep their secret even though she doesn't seem too thrilled about it mm-hmm. but like you like we were saying Jeffrey Charles needs to return to Cornwall and you know this gets into stuff later on but Rafe uh, Ralph Rafe Ralph makes the journey to Ralph he makes the journey to Cornwall as well they uh, they don't really have much of an interaction they're about to talk and then they just kind of tease that that's just not going to happen this episode yeah, they bump into each other at the Red Lion, which it seems below the Hansons, but I guess they're staying there. So maybe the Hansons are big money, but they're not like big, big money. It, it seems to me like he really wants this deal to go through with George to kind of help keep the motion of the ocean going for his business. Yeah, maybe he has a nice stronghold on Honduras. Is that where he is? Yeah, and you know, obviously he's concerned about this whole uh, slavery uh, petition going around too. He seems to be the only one who's actually concerned about it because when Ross brings it up in Parliament, everyone's booing him. Well, yeah, I mean that's concern. People, people, people don't want to think about that. Yeah, well, I mean Ross seems to get the be at like the heel of the Parliament at the time. Every time we see him there, he's never <laughs> yeah, winning arguments. <laughs> They're throwing trash at him. <laughs> uh, someone hits him in the back with a chair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tomatoes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's going on. Yeah, what are the low-hanging fruit? I mean... Uh, uh, T- Tess is working at, at the home of the of the Poldarks, and Trudy is on her case saying, get to work. You can't just loaf around. Yeah. And then we, she really, and then what doesn't she snap back, clap back at Prudy? Yeah, kind of uh, alluding to maybe she could become pole dark or something like that. She she could woo him or something. Yeah, and then there's that moment later in the episode where she's trying on the, she's she's modeling sort of Demelza's mm-hmm. like two or three iconic outfits that she wears on repeat, 
Yep. And it's not Prudy that's telling her to leave it alone. It's Garrick the dog. Garrick is there barking. He's saying, stop. You know something's up. Stop. It's, all, it's, it's really because Garrick has poor vision and he can't see and he's just barking at whoever it is. Hey, Garrick, Garrick clued him into the, the window being busted open, so he's not all true. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty much all that's going on with Tessa. It is good to see. I oh, do she like does pretty... have she has an interaction with Sam. Yeah. Oh yeah, she does. And it's awkward. Like it's not right. if, if we're shipping this, which I think we are. It's not good. Like it doesn't. It doesn't feel natural. Sam, she she's mm-hmm. not softening. Granted, we're two episodes in, but we're gonna need to get somewhere pretty quick. And it seems like you know Demel's is a good human. I don't know how te- how yeah. blind Tess is to just the people around her, but yeah. she really seems Braithwaite adjacent. If we want to talk down Abby, I, w- I will say though, for what it is, I am enjoying it a little bit. If only because it gives a, a proper foil to, to uh, Prudy. To Prudy, because like I feel like since Judd left the show, she didn't have someone to kind of like you know banter with, and I think that's actually a kind of a low key. That was a low-key fun element of the first couple seasons. So her giving the stank eye to Cecily outside, I enjoyed that. I, I like seeing Prudy get a little bit miffed by the people around her. So I think there could be some fun to have there. Yeah, and it could be it could be a little bit, to make another Downton comparison, it could be a little bit pat more Daisy once Tess gets in line. Yeah. But right now it's just like, yeah, I don't know where it's going. Just kind of reminding us that she's there. Yeah. Personally, like this story, I don't have much emotional space for Sam's stories mm-hmm. when this show is so heavy with characters. Granted, what we noticed last week was how the sort of London stuff felt unlike Poldark and all the Cornwall stuff feels like Poldark to me. So maybe yeah. it'll come into something, but I guess while we're talking about Sam, we can switch to Sam and Drake. And Drake mm-hmm. more went. Yeah. Not too much going on here. She's still <laughs> ice cold. Yeah. Although that ice cold uh, leads uh, Drake to, or no, Sam to congratulate Drake saying like, hey, she looks pretty cold and pale out there. That means something's on the way. That's, right? That means pregnant. <laughs> and Drake is like, I and don't think, no, he says like only if it was a fairy baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Drake's like, it's not happening. And then Sam's like, even better. Abstinence is amazing. <laughs> Heck yeah, brother. Sam's like, this is my dream come true. <laughs> Married and not having to do anything? This is amazing. I've got my eyes set on some ne'er-do-well anti-labor woman who works at my brother-in-law's farm. <laughs> and my brother, I mean, in the meanwhile, is chaste and angry about it. And I can be his shoulder to cry. <laughs> Sam really knows how to pick him. He re- he really does. Oh yeah, he's what a what a what bum luck. <laughs> you know, if he believes in God, it's like you think God would give you a uh, a better option for a wife, Sam. You'd think. Uh, so while while they're hanging around, uh, Morin and Drake, they they happen upon Valentine out by the water, alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? Who was watching this? Well, Bessie. Bessie's. We see that moment mm. where like Valentine is, is playing with like little like bowling pin style toys, and yeah. he's just like, 
hey, look at me. When's dad coming home? And and Bessie's just uh, totally ignoring him. And he just throws a little temper tantrum. And that's that. And I, I guess mean, he considering, just... considering that George is never around, it must be easy pay with that job. I mean, this kid's not going to be... He doesn't really... He's not going to amount to much anyways, it seems like, because hey, George is a little toddler. He's going to be a Nepo baby. George has all this money. Yeah. He's not going to have to worry. Yeah. But w- w- during this interaction, though, uh, Morena, sh- she falls on Drake for a moment, and they're holding hands looking at Valentine, and just kind of you can see the wheels turning of, like, a child. And Drake huh. is like, hey, I can see this. I like this. Do you think they end up um, adopting Valentine at some point? No, you know. No, I, after could be furious, worse. <laughs> yeah, George's fury at uh, Drake the last episode means no. Yeah, well, who knows with George? <laughs> He's true. He, he is out of his gourd right now. Um, is there anything else with Morwenna and uh, Drake? No, I don't think so. They have their little moment where she's like, "Wait a minute." You she's can like, touch she me does, and I don't die. <laughs> yeah. She does seem to start to hit in this episode. Like, I, I maybe one day we can do something. I'm not. I'm not. Because like, are you you know broken forever or beyond recall? And she's like, maybe, maybe not beyond recall. It's like I love when you check. use these phrases, Drake. You know how yeah, to set the mood. <laughs> yeah. Well, because yeah, was she says she's broken beyond accord, and he's like, is it though? Truly beyond accord. She's like, you should have seen what Whitworth did, bro. Like, leave me alone. Cut me some slack. Yeah. You don't know what I've been through. Uh. Anyways, I'm glad that Valentine didn't jump off the cliff there. Yeah, we don't need something like that happening. <laughs> I mean, to the point of him not being well attended to, that hair needs to be done. Like something needs to be done about that hair. You think that wild. this show is gonna le- let them cut his Ross hair? <laughs> That's true. That is a signifier that it is clearly Ross's child is that hair. Because Elizabeth didn't have hair like that. Yeah, those curls. Yeah. So that's going on. Where where next? Now we start to get into the meat and potatoes of things. Dwight. Well, stuff? I think there's the there's the two big plots. So I think we should talk about Dwight first. Mm-hmm. Which is a follow up to last week. The situation with the assassination attempt, and yeah. we see Dwight is doing a speech about insanity. <laughs> Which this is, uh, this is very. I don't know why. Just out of nowhere. We must but be doing some research on it. I guess. What 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 kind of timing is he is he struck into here? Uh, but yeah, he's getting a lot of questions from this uh, invigorated crowd. They're interested in stuff. Even Caroline is asking questions to which he seems a little bit caught off guard by. Well, I think Caroline is trying to drive the conversation when people are a little bit afraid mm-hmm. to talk because people. People are reacting, oh. but they're not reacting positively. So you think Dwight's acting a little bit there. Well, Dwight is like, the way to treat insanity is not by hitting these people and locking them up. It's by being gentle and learning to understand them. And all these old white guys are like, boo, we need to beat up the crazy <laughs> the people. Yeah. And and then this lawyer, or this guy, in in the most soapy fashion, is like, well, what would you say about this assassin? And he's like, well, I don't know the case, but 
if you gave me some details, it would might seem like if he is out of his mind, then he shouldn't be, you know, he should be treated differently. He's like, well, I'm a lawyer, and I want you to be a witness. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on, come bro, on. are you serious? I want to get out of here. And so the the defendant is James Hetfield of Wait, Metallica. is that his real name? Oh, yeah. No, it's James It's James Hatfield. Hatfield, okay. But I, I actually had to look at that. I was like, wait, did they say James Hatfield? <laughs> uh, and he was just making, you know, heavy metal music, and they said, this guy's insane. He's clearly insane. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> but no, James Hatfield is actually a, a real person who has tried to assassinate the king. It's a real person. Uh-huh. Dwight Ennis, still not real, though. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. But the way that Dwight lays this out, he's like, the dude got hit in the head eight times or something. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like hearing about Mick Foley or some of these, or Mike Tyson. It's like, dude, this dude has, is done. Yeah, and you know, he makes the case, this guy was just serving his duty for the king. He was just doing what he was supposed to, and now look at him. Look what you reduced him to. So you can't blame him. Blame the system. And the, and the guy is talking to himself up there. He's clearly not in his... Uh, Within his mental faculties, yeah, he's saying the prayer from the bridge of Enter Sandman. <laughs> yep, say your prayers. <laughs> um, so he gets committed to an institution. Now, Dwight wins the case. He doesn't get the man executed. People but according are going. Yeah, according to Dwight, this is actually worse fate. The man going to an institution, which yeah, I, I don't know much about. The institution about is the system in which Dwight made the speech to change. Yeah. So Dwight's like, dude, we gotta uh, stop. We gotta stop beating them up and hit locking them in cells and, and and basically torturing them. And they're like, oh, by the way, you're free. You don't. You're not gonna get killed. You're gonna get locked in the cell and beat up and tortured for the rest of your life. And this guy with this cut on his face, like, what? In what world is he even allowed? In what world would that guy be allowed to enter the same room the king is in with that mutilated face? With all due respect, this is a very London is vain. <laughs> Yeah, if we've learned anything from any of our shows, it's it's a it's a soap opera drama, man. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, kudos to to Dwight for doing his job and getting this guy off uh, off of getting murdered or dying, executed. But, that's the word. But I don't I don't know if you would say good job because Dwight is so filled with shame after that he actually, well, that, that he did this. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. And he didn't seem to change any of the public perception, so it seemed to be a blow up in his face. Yeah. So you lose some, you lose some when you're Dwight. Yeah. And that eventually ties into the main plot here, which is, well, I guess we could talk about George, or if we want to. I mean, George, George isn't really doing much on his own, aside from seeing Elizabeth. <laughs> right. Uh, you know they they have, he has a meeting with Ralph to to sign some papers, and he literally hears Elizabeth talking to him to the point that we see a, a astral projection of her speaking to him. <laughs> and, yeah, and Carrie has to kind of excuse him out of the room. Last week we had the uh, the sort of implication that this might have been like stock footage or an old piece of audio. Oh no, they wheeled in. They wheeled in Elizabeth. They've wheeled in Haida. Is that how you say her name? Haida Reed? To play yeah. this ghost. And he's having conversations with her. And it seems like that he's about to make this big deal with the Despard. Um, no, the Hansons, not Despards. The Despards are the good mm-hmm. ones. With Ralph Hansen, this new supervillain. 
And he's talking crazy, and Carrie's like, let's get him out of here before this goes south. Yeah. It, it tanks all our, all the deals. Uh, and we see he tells okay. Valentine at one point that he's coming home with Mom. Yep. And then when he gets it's off be confusing the, for that child. He gets off the carriage, and he's like, look, Valentine, here she is. And this poor kid is not calling him out on it. He's like, okay, Dad. You know what reminds me of? What uh, storyline this reminds me of from WWE? Our truth with little Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> there's a wrestler who had a Jimmy whole gimmick. Like. Yeah, there's a, a whole gimmick where this wrestler for many months would have his imaginary friend come out with him to to the ring and be protective of little Jimmy. Except little Jimmy didn't exist. We never saw him. And that's what George is doing right here. He literally, you know, is like, "Come on, come out, Elizabeth," and <laughs> she's not there. Uh, neither is his brain. No. And th- this plays parallel to Dwight doing the speech, too. So we see that Dwight maybe has something on the, on his mind or, you know, he's, he's thinking locally instead of broadly. And also I want to say in regards to this plot, Uncle Carrie is handling this with a lot of maturity. Yeah. Like, you could easily see Uncle Carrie pulling this plot to a place where he's basically convincing George to do all these things on his behalf while like screwing George or he's having George mm-hmm. sign all these deals that are going to be against his greater interest, but in Carrie's greater interest, but Carrie's like, no, no, no. Okay. Let's take a step back. Let's go back to Cornwall. Let's go back yeah. to uh Truro or Trent, whatever their house is. And we'll get back on it. And, and he does that instead of just being like, sign the paper, George, we need this to happen yeah. now. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's that's it. He's just uh, I do I will say on Carrie, yeah, he, he's showing great patience. I may chalk it up to his. Uh, he's really rocking the bald head to this episode. There's no stubble on his head at all. He's yeah. I I I know as a man who shaves his head and I respect a man with a, a bald dome that's cleanly shaven. Nailed it this episode. So maybe he's just you know Good thinking job, really Pip. clear right now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of air uh, breathing into his head and he's thinking clear in, in the best interests of uh, George there. And there is also a brief scene of Ross and George where mm. George seems to understand that Elizabeth is dead in this moment. Yeah. Ross is like, dude, what's going on with like you and like, is, what's, I thought we were cool, bro. Yeah. Jeffrey Charles is serving the country, man. He needs some efficient means. And George is like, Hey, my son, bro, we know this. <laughs> I don't care about him. Yeah, and then is this when Ross says, don't you remember what you said to me the night Elizabeth died? Is that we, you know, we did this to her. And George is like, you wouldn't leave her alone. And because of you, I was going crazy. And because I was going crazy, she went crazy. That's what I meant. Now, will you leave me alone for the rest of my life, Ross? Can we not do this again? Yeah. And Ross is like, we might do it again next episode. I also love that George in that moment defiantly says, you know, he had unfounded suspicion, you know, so at least he's very much doubled down. Like, uh, is he saying that to Ross or does he actually believe that? In that moment, it sounds like he believes it, but then I it think doesn't he believed to, it. Yeah. It doesn't seem to track though with how he treats Valentine sometimes though. Yeah. Well, he seems a little aloof. He doesn't seem to be treating Ursula any better. Yeah. But he's also say, Sir, I, Sir George now, by the way. He's not. That's true. He's he, we do knighted. say knighted. 
while Dwight is giving his speech. Because while Dwight's talking about insanity, we see George getting knighted. That's right. Uh, great cross-cutting there. Um, I will say I actually kind of side with George in this scene, uh, shockingly, where he's like, you know, I take my share of the blame, you take yours. And it's not that Ross isn't trying to take the blame, but I, I think George is right to say, like, can you just leave me alone, Ross? All you do is just ruin my life. And I've done my part ruining yours in this moment right now, bro. Leave me be. <laughs> leave me be. Leave me to my ghost wife. And especially the way Ross talks to him. It's what we both know the mother would want. And then it's almost as if he's talking as if he's the equal to, to George in regards to Elizabeth. And that's why George is like, we both know? What do you mean by that, bro? Get out of here. Leave me alone. <laughs> I can still scrap. You want to scrap? Let's scrap. <laughs> oh, Ross would kill George at this moment. We get a whole scene set to Ross sparring with Despard oh, with, over swords. Just because. Fencing. Well, and Despard. Yeah. Is it fencing? They got Ross. straight up swords. <laughs> well, they're not in the gear, but I think those aren't like. Those aren't sword swords. They're not broad swords. No, they're not broad swords, but they look legit enough. Oh yeah, they could probably they could probably kill somebody with those. <laughs> I would have loved if George just took turned around and Ross just pulls out his sword out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Ross wouldn't be the first time Ross killed someone in cold blood. Not at all. That that's that's what he does. I think uh, that's it for for George. So I think we can mm-hmm. move to Ross and Ned and Kitty and Demelza. Yeah. Yeah, where do we, where do you where even we start, start on this? <laughs> uh, well, Demel's is there with the family, with him in London. Yep, and uh, what did Jeremy and uh, what's their their daughter's name? It's a it's a Cloence. That's yeah. the name right there. But it's a real threes company situation because Despard is staying with them in their their flat that they have there in London. Mm-hmm. So it's Despard and Kitty on top of uh, Ross and Demelza and their two kids, and. It's just a lot of people. It's a little cramps. Yeah, the the Despards are both great with the kids, which is a nice thing to say off the off the top. Mm-hmm. So they they can help. Kitty can help with the child work. Yeah. And Despard, he, he has an idea of someone who could like kind of clear his name. So he's he's been released from jail, but he they never yes. had a trial, so he's still living under a cloud of suspicion. So he needs his uh, lawyer, Bannaton. Bannatine. It sounded like help. Valentine when he said it. I know. Bannantine. B A N N A. Bannantine. That's it. Yeah. So like, he needs him to vouch for him. Valentine. Is it the little boy who's going to save I, I, Ned? I was same page confused. So this guy will clear his name, except he's vanished. You got to find him. Which leads to Ross talking to some people to help try and find him, but you know they just reconfirm for him that the guy's vanished. Yeah, he his friend is this Mercuron, Merceron, this guy, mm-hmm. and Wickham comes back in, and Wickham's like, "Dude, we gotta, you gotta stop with this. Stop dealing with this Despard guy." Yeah, but he gets a note. The secretary from uh, from Honduras wants to meet. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. that's what he is. He's Despard's secretary. Yeah. Uh. So, the, yeah, they find some time at a bar. The guy is quite paranoid. He's looking over his shoulder the whole time. And Ross tries to appeal to him, and he's like, no, dude, 
I'm going to die if I say anything. It's bad enough that I'm here with you. Yeah. And we get one of many shots of uh, looks what looks to be a spy listening in. And that's a recurring theme throughout the episode from Demelza, that she feels like they're being watched all the time. Yeah. The whole yeah, and, and we see him a lot, like in every sort of situation, he's watching somebody, and he's so conspicuous because he's smoking the biggest pipe you'll find yeah, it's like every Gandalf, time. Let him borrow his pipe. Yeah, it's huge. just point. It's like that guy with the same uh, pipe every time. Uh, but this guy gives Ross Bannantine gives Ross a sort of. He says, "I won't go. You know, I can't be seen because I'm I'm liable to be killed." But yeah. here's my my written testimony that Ned's a good dude, stand up guy, and the way, the one thing that I noted about Ned for a, a guy with an incredible rage issues, as we find out throughout this episode, incredibly woke, like he's yeah. all about buying up these slaves and freeing them and things like that, and he's married to a former slave, like he for a dude that is as wild and insane as he is in a lot of ways. He is very much on the level uh, with his sort of personal code, his code of ethics. Well, it's not quite clear to me clear to me what you're speaking of when you say he's a crazy person, <laughs> the Ned Despard. When uh, he sees Hanson and he like screams and gets in his face and he's like yelling, he's like, I'll kill you, bro. I'll break you right now. I mean, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> he seems like unhinged Ross. Well, yeah, his whole career has essentially been ended <laughs> by this man. Uh, but to your point, they they do have that night festival where he's out on the town with Kitty, and people are just looking at him like, uh-huh. oh, he just paid for some woman to be by his side. And it's like, no, 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 it's real love. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he does seem yeah. to have a shorter temper. Last Last week we saw him, like, punch a wall, you know, like... They're going out of their way to show that this guy has a short fuse. That that's definitely true. It may land him into deeper trouble. But which is I I think which is funny because I think the the Ned and Ralph Hanson Mm -hmm. relationship very much feels like an elevated generational adjustment to Ross and George. Where going on for some time, Ralph, you can see it in the way he talks to George about how difficult the mahogany business is now that it's so popular and you know we're getting into slave labor he says to george and george is like i'm cool with that bro i'll sign off on the slave labor we see that he has already made these emotional um lapses of judgment in favor of profit on a much more extreme level than george so and then like i said i think ned is crazier than ross but more passionate than ross so interesting parallel between these two groups of men yeah, but yeah, that conversation with George, like slavery, you down? It's like, oh god, this does not get dragged into this. That's the worst thing you could do to George's reputation right now is making pro-slavery. Ugh, you, could, you can't that's, come back from that, that. That's your moment to have George look into the distance and see Elizabeth, and Uncle Carrie swoops in and goes, "Yeah, he's fine with it. Let's keep talking. Let's keep moving." So yeah, that yeah. Way, you you shift the blame off of Crazy George onto Uncle Carrie, but no, they decide to keep Crazy George, Crazy George. Right. Because, yeah, Uncle Carrie can take the take the heat. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, Bannatine changes his tune. He decides to, to write a letter yes. that would clear the name of uh, Despard that Ross then starts to circulate. Well, everywhere. Ross, yeah, Ross 
has it turned into he says I can bring this to one person and they can read it but that's what if mm-hmm. I make a couple pamphlets and then I can give it to some like-minded members of parliament and yeah. then Demelza says let me get up the girls group and we'll give it to everyone <laughs> and, and then Ross gets heated with her because she did this but at the same time Ross is annoyed that Demelza's spread this thing around to, to more people who may whisper about what's going on why did he print so many copies that she had the ability to go do this? He's like, dude, like if you want to keep press, it low, it required me to do two hundred. Yeah, needed, the deal was fifty for a hundred bucks, two hundred for uh, for seventy five. So I had to do what I, I mean, had to do. It must have been, yeah. I needed a, a business card, and they gave me five hundred of them. Um, yeah, good on. I mean, sure, whatever, whatever there. Uh, but they do allude to like. Well, does this mean that we have more attention from the crown? Because like now we're kind of conspiring conspiring with someone who may be against them because he wants That's to like, end slavery. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> and Ross is like, yeah, don't worry about it. For now, I can I can take care of it. I can punch a man or two. Yeah, yeah. And we see that Wickham is like, dude, you realize what's going on right now? You're feeding right into your boy's hand, your 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 old pal George and Hanson's hands right here. Where yeah. you're with Despard, who is anti-slavery. Um, your best friend just got an assassin off. And you were in the room when the king almost got assassinated. You think there's not enough information for these guys to spin this against you? And Ross is like, what kind? Ross always has the best of intentions with people. He's like, no one would do something like that. And then we yeah. see later in the episode, uh, Ralph says outwardly, he's like, hey, these are very uh, Jacobin is the the movement. These are very Jacobin mm-hmm. actions you're taking, or this guy is taking. I think we got a, a play, and George is like Ross Poldock. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I was it Lord Justice Kenyon says a pattern emergence of of, of actions here uh, uh-huh. between all these things. But uh, yeah, R- R- Ralph is concerned because he thinks that people can figure out reading between the lines that the person they're alluding to in the papers is him mm-hmm. who's tampering with, with Despard there. Uh, but it's just so funny because knowing Ross, the man doesn't miss. If he was going to try to assassinate the king, he would have done it himself because he always t- takes things into his own hands. <laughs> he wanted yeah, to like, conspire with someone else. Yeah, and then wh- why throw under a, a mentally you know, deranged man yeah. with a... a- PTSD and a TB, TBI. Like, why would you do that? But they're connecting dots. The streets be speaking. Something's up. Yeah, yeah. So they have to. They, they got to get out of town. Get out of Dodge. Let this all settle. Yeah. So they go back home. They go back home. And this leads to one of the more random moments, where Ralph just knows, like, I'm going to take a trip down to Trenwith. Well, I think Ralph, Ralph is taking a trip down to Trenwith to seal that deal that he didn't get to seal before. Yes and no. He, he, he doesn't actively, I think, speak to that. It's like he knows that they may be down there to kind of cool down. Uh-huh. And that's why he's at the bar when they walk in. He's like, Cecil, you're coming with me. It's happening. She's like, all right, fine. Yeah. And you just wonder what kind of business he's going to get up to there. And I kind of like that they're bringing it back home here, at least. They're not staying too long. Yeah, get London. him out of London. See how he does with Prudy bossing him around or getting into uh, to, to Ralph's uh, stuff. 
yeah business yes yeah <laughs> i don't know um that's this week right well then we also didn't mention the fact that bannantine gets killed oh <laughs> i mean hardly knew you the guy but he does come they, he comes in looking nervous saying like please i just don't want i don't want this information to kill me and ross is like no 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 you're good dude i got you i got you and then he gets killed okay. Credit to the makeup artist who made him look so sickly pale and dark around the eyes here. Really did look like he was on borrowed time. And then, yeah, he's getting a drink somewhere. This is the kind of thing where it's like, I don't know if I'd be drinking out at a bar. I'd just be maybe picking up some uh, booze, going back home or, or something. Well, I think Ban- Bannantine thinks that he's sort of a chameleon. No one knows who he is. But this, yeah. this uh, stalker man, this spy, points him out yeah, and kills him. And- that's it for him. And yeah, as always, Ross assures people they'll be safe. And no one is ever safe around Ross except for Ross himself. Yeah, no one. Yeah. So but I think that is then, the episode, yes. I don't think we missed yes. much. No, I don't think so. I think I think that was a good a good week, Dave. This was way better than the premiere, I thought. I I've really enjoyed this one. This felt more like Poldark. Yeah, I think they did a good job building on the foundation of last week to move it towards something closer to what we're familiar with and making it a little bit more intriguing in terms of how they're going to bring this all together. Yeah, definitely. Some of the more like the, the Sam of it all, the Drake of it all, it's uh, a Feels little like a different show. It, and it's a little too on the nose sometimes. Like it, it's, it's comfort food, that stuff, the, the, the C and D plots. Whereas yeah. Ross, I'm, at least we're centralizing. Yeah. Just bring us back to Cornwall, and we're happy. I mean, how long has it been since we opened the episode with the waves crashing? Yeah, come on now. These waves are still there. Let's go back. Well, on that note, let's go back to the power rankings, Dave. Who do you got going down this week? Well, number three, I have uh, James James Hetfield. Okay. Because we see that we, we, we met him last week. He tried to kill the king. Didn't work. Thought that was it, you know. Thought you were a background character. No, no, no. You got a name. Dwight's invested in you. Dwight thinks he can help you. And then, as Dwight says, you know, death is better than these mental homes or whatever you want to call them. These asylums, True. insane asylums, is probably the phrase they would use. So, yes. hardly knew you, but I feel like you're martyred. For R.I.P. Well, at number three, I got Dwight. Okay, same, uh, same thing. Yeah, he wins the case, but did he really? Uh, not, not, he doesn't feel great about it. I don't feel great about it. Tough break for Dwight. You, you, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. There you go. Wife, Caroline is in good spirits this week. By the way, Caroline is so supportive as a wife. She's just down like, yeah, my husband wants to go talk about insanity. I'll show up, sure. My husband wants to hang out with a guy who's married to, to a black lady and that may, me look, may make me look uh, like an outsider here. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, which is good. My best friend I, wants I, me to I, hand I, out pamphlets to free a questionable man. Yeah, Let's go. I, like, I, I love that she's supportive. It just seems a bit funny that there isn't any, they couldn't sneak in any aside from her to be like, this is not at all what I'm used to. This is just what I married into, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, and I mean, she doesn't seem to have that sort of evolved like a Sybil Crawley. Like she, ma- yeah. she's got radical thoughts, and she's departing from the norm. 
her person like I can, if you were to ask me what her personality was, I cannot tell you what per, Caroline's personality is exactly at this point in time. Yeah, because after she um, they lost the baby, she just went to socialite life for months yeah. in London and partied and and acted like a rich girl, and now she's like woke wife again. Right, and now she's walking around London, and there's no reference to her time there or anything at all. It's like, okay, right, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, who's number two for you, Dave? Well, going down. We thought Ross made a promise he couldn't keep it as Bannon time. Yeah, R.I.P. He he was killed on the DL. He says, "Okay, this guy's got me safe." No, yeah. and not to mention, all he had to do was nothing, and he could have lived. But he goes out on a limb to try to help his man, and he pays the ultimate price. Yeah, that's that's what happens sometimes. Well, I I, I didn't include Bannon on my list because he's he wasn't he's not a big enough character, and I'm just thinking big picture. This week at number two going down, I got George because he's still losing his mind. Uh huh. The, the man thinks he's here in Elizabeth. She ain't there. He ain't signing deals that could potentially help himself out. He did get knighted, but nah, nah. Sorry, George. Well, I got Georgia number one because of okay. he's crazy. And this, this craziness is going to affect him in a way he doesn't know soon. And he's a Debbie dad. And that boy's hair looks like Ross. He, he did get knighted, though. He did get knighted, but did he even care? Was he even there for it? He, he's out of it. Yeah. Well, a number one going down, I got Ross. This is a bad week for Ross. I mean, That's he, a big... he gets... He gets Bannantine killed. He gets it. He, put, he pretty much endangers his whole family by putting uh-huh. out the, this paper right there. And they ask him, like, do you have to do this for Ned? And he's like, I owe him. I mean, Demel's asking. He's like, okay, is that a good enough reason, Ross? Because you're really putting the heat on your family's back right now. Uh, and yeah, I mean, now he's got a conspiracy of murder out against him as well. So it, it's really stacking up against Ross. the first time this has happened. This this is a pretty yeah I know right this is a pretty rough week for Ross I think. Okay. Well, who's yeah. going up then? If it's a battery for Ross, who's going? Who's having a good week? Well, number three, I got Drake and Marwena uh, tied. They're okay. finding their way back to each other. There's good a little there's a little tickle somewhere. There's a little spark. Yep. Got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, number three, I got Demelza because I think, okay. and I, I with in parentheses, I I will include Kitty and and Caroline because Demelza is always the one, and I think she started proving this last week where she's not afraid to. Not that she hasn't done it before, but this season she's started with a bang as far as taking the the matters into her own hands, mm-hmm. and she takes those pamphlets and she hands them out, and and despite Ross not wanting her to. And ter- turns out to be a big win because we see the scene later of Ned and Kitty walking around town and everyone's like, you're my hero. You're a patriot for what you believe in. Yeah. And that's all because of Demelza. And Demelza has to be a parent of these two kids in London. She's not getting mm-hmm. much sleep. She's got an old it's dog. True. that looks she's young. A lot she's, of work. She's, she's got a lot of good stuff she's, she's handling. Yeah. Well, at number two, I got Elizabeth. She ain't dead, baby. She's back. <laughs> she's she's cash- running the show. You got Hyda Reed. She's just cashing checks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she's dominating George's mind. She's wrecking his business and, and 
interfering with Carrie from beyond the grave. That's some real supernatural power right there. So That's all the true. more power yeah, to Elizabeth. I guess so. Number two. Well, number two, I got Wickham. Because this dude, okay. Ross is like, hey, I need your help. And he's like, dude, Ross, stop. Don't do this. And yeah. then later after Ross has done it, he says, dude, you're going to get linked to a conspiracy. And then like two scenes later, the bad guys are like, I think we can cook up a conspiracy. <laughs> this dude is two steps ahead of all these things going on. Yeah. But nobody knows it yet. And I think, what was the... Um, his like financier in the last couple seasons that the he wouldn't listen to in Parliament. That guy, I forget his name off the top of my head because it's been so long. But no, I know you're talking about me, the one who went into debt, but he was like okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wickham has given me that guy's vibes of like kind of paternal or brotherly. Pasco. Pat, not Pasco, the younger guy with the dark hair. Oh, the one who was sleeping with his wife. No, no, no. The, well, the 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 guy who like sponsored him for Parliament, that guy, Pasco was his banker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't seen him at all this season. Yeah, him. I forget his name, but someone will tweet us about it. Um, that guy, Bassett. So Bassett, yes, Bassett. Uh, Ross is definitely this guy. Wickham is ahead of the ball, and I think Ross needs to start listening to the advice of people around him. And Wickham is one of these guys, I think. I mean, it really does feel like they just got this Wickham guy because they maybe couldn't get the actor who played Bassett back or something because he's very much a stand-in for that same character. But he's a works for the secret. He's a secret agent. He's gonna have Ross yeah. going on missions. You're telling me, man. Ross, you're going to darkest Peru next week to retrieve Paddington. <laughs> like, That'd be right. an awesome episode. Uh, well, and number one, this guy is really pushing people around. Ralph Hansen. Okay, you th- you think so? Absolutely, he's pulling all the strings. He's already concocted a, a murder, uh, an assassination plot against Ross. Is that confirmed? Uh, it's not confirmed, but he's got the designs on it, and he's moved into Cornwall. He's harassing Ross on his home turf. Like this guy does not care. He he's got his cane out. He's pu- pushing people around with his cane, and he may have not got George to sign off on stuff, but this guy has got everyone worried and concerned. Okay. So you best back off. This guy is, he's a heavy. I, I, I kind of dig that this guy is going to be the bad guy for the season because I, I buy that he's an actual threat to people. Yeah, and you can see George is not of sound mind. And I think it's, you know, you can see the sort of, you, this is where I think the George babyface turn will come at the expense of, is this crazy guy. Yeah, if you're not buying into this Ralph guy now or soon, you're. It's. I don't buy feel like this stock. season will work. Yeah, you got to buy some stock right now. Well, I got on the flip side. I got Ned up top because he's free. Okay. He's a free man. His wife is free. He's mm-hmm. hanging out, and he goes from going to this party and getting stared at and basically forced out by public shaming to yeah walking around the park in London as a hero. And everyone's saying, "Hey, man, you're a patriot." Are they really celebrating him as a hero like that? Yeah, they keep saying, like, you are a patriot. You're a hero. I had the closed captioning on for that scene. They're patting him on the back. That's true. You could probably find half of London also cursing his name, too. Well, he's a man of the people. And he's free. And and he beats Ross at fencing. I mean, did Ross kind of give one up to Oh, I guess, yeah, because he is Ross's mentor. So, I guess, yeah, he did actually. But even if he doesn't beat you know, Ross gives gives him a leg up. He's in, you know he's in his sixties and he's still giving a good show to a guy who's in his thirties. That's true. 
Is he in his 30s at this point after how many <laughs> all this time? Yeah, he'd be in his thir- if 13 years if he's early 20s when he gets back from the war. The teenager yeah. when he enlists. That tracks. Dave, you ever think we should take up fencing, man? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think there's. A, I think it's a costly hobby these days, and I think it that attracts a, a weird kind of personality that we don't match. The elitists. Yeah. I say I'd we be could down, go, go bowling or something like that. Yeah. Let's One day we'll, we'll, the we'll bowling see. League. <laughs> yeah, someone will challenge challenge us to fencing, and we'll just throw an axe at them. Yeah, that's more of a millennial sport. Axe yeah. throwing. Well, that's this week in Pole Dark. And speaking of millennial things, Dave, I know we've been watching The Perfect Match. What are you thinking right now? The Netflix dating show. Should we save it for Patreon, or what, I think we what do you should. Want I mean, we have we have the first volume right now, so I think we can speak on, on our just overall impressions. I think it's great. I think it's almost perfect. It's the best kind of trash you can ask for. <laughs> oh, it is. It's all you, that's all you need. It's all these characters, and you can see they're adding levels of, of of intrigue about the characters. That as someone who watched them all, I don't remember some of these situations happening. Yeah. With their two guys from the mall, and the way this episode four ended, it's like, oh my god, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, same, same. I'm, I'm ready. We'll talk about that more later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anything else? Just watching a lot of movies, you know. Oscar season upon us. Just catching up on some of those. Prepping. Prepping. Not to, too impressed by a lot of the movies, but I, I did watch Tar with Kate Blanchett, which I thought was fantastic. Okay. Uh, I would not recommend that to a lot of people unless you're really in for something crunchy, some crunchy art. <laughs> Is it crunchier uh, than Power of the Dog? It's way better than Power of the Dog. Uh, but that was a crunchy movie. Yeah, it, it, I yeah, it's crunchy, but I would say there's a little bit more fun to be had. Uh, than, the power of the because dog. Because Power of the Dog just isn't fun. <laughs> that's the problem with that. <laughs> I mean, it's not a problem. That movie just is not fun at all. It's crunchy as it is. Oh yeah, that's the that's the mess. The mission statement of Power of the Dog is to be messed up. Yeah, this one's honey bunches of oats. That one's just a bunch of oats. Uh, Banshees of Insurance. It's pretty good. Recommend that one, Dave, for yeah, the Irish in you. I'm hearing a lot of uh, mixed things, but I also I wasn't too thrilled with In Bruges, but I didn't know what to expect. I, I also I saw it in theaters yeah. when I was like 20. Oh yeah, so it's, I was it's expecting something a little bit more fun, and that movie's yeah. not very fun. So I think yeah. I would appreciate this one. I think you you would. Uh, but those are some of the ones I, I caught up with recently. How about you, Dave? Have you been watching anything? Not you know not really nothing too special. Mm-hmm. We had some wrestling this weekend. That's really all we did. I watched Montreal, a little Canadian fun if you're a yeah. fan of the United Kingdom and the Queen's colonies. Canada represented pretty well. Yep. I'd agree but with aside that. Aside from that, <laughs> yeah, nothing re- just waiting for more of this uh perfect match. Yeah. Well, I think we can wrap it there. Indeed. And you know where to find us, uh Lords Grantham at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us you can find us at Facebook Instagram Twitter you can also uh, leave us a five star rating and review if you so choose on Spotify and Apple wherever you get your podcasts you can also find our whole archive of episodes on our Podbean site and with that we'll see you next week that's it yeah.